Um, but Julie, I love you too. So we're gonna jump into the word, but I wanna make sure that I get this word to you. Now, um, I didn't realize how quiet it was gonna be last service because I'm about to step into something that many of you have never confronted ever in your life, and it's the fear of man. Now, my wife, my own wife, can I say it? I might as well. She was like, the conviction was so heavy for service. I felt like I had to go hide in your office because I've struggled with this very thing for years, but I also got free. So I just need permission today to speak into this because this is going to be a, a sermon about Palm Sunday unlike anything you've ever heard before. And I'm gonna take you back to the biblical roots. And I'm gonna help you understand what's going on, but the fear of man's gonna be broken off of you. Do I have your permission to go there? Okay, okay. So open your Bibles to Matthew chapter 21, verses one through 11. I love hearing the yeses all the way from Indiana. It's so amazing. I was there Wednesday, and actually our teams were setting up the system, and Pastor Patrick was here, and he stood here prophetically, and he released a word into Indiana, and I watched everybody weeping and shouting as both the locations went up on Wednesday, and, and I was actually physically in Indiana. I flew back. Now I'm on the other side of the matrix, uh, so it's so good to be home, um, but wherever you're, you're watching from, man, just buckle your seatbelt for this word. Did you guys find Matthew chapter 21 yet? Say amen when you found it. All right, everybody else, download the V1 church app so it finds it for you. I'm gonna read this text, give you a profound understanding of the historic implications, and it's gonna blow your mind, and it's gonna help you get free from the fear of man. It says this, Matthew chapter 21, verses one through 11, and they approached Jerusalem, and they came to Bethpage. Oh, <laughs> not here on Long Island. On the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two disciples, saying to them, go to the village ahead of you, and at once you will find a donkey tied there with her colt with her. Now, isn't it amazing, let's stop for a second, that Jesus had a prophetic knowledge of what they were going to encounter when they got there. How many of you know that when Jesus gives you an assignment, he already knows how it's gonna unfold? Oh, he says, you're going to go down to this place. And when you go there, you're going to find a donkey and the colt. And he already knows ahead of time. That right there should have somebody comforted that he already knows ahead of time. Just elbow your neighbor and said, he already knows ahead of time. Okay, it says, untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, because imagine it's going to be weird to go steal a donkey and a colt. Jesus was dangerous. He said, you just tell him that um, my Lord needs them and he will send them right away. Now, you don't try that yourself. Don't go take something and say, my Lord needs this. It's not gonna work the same for, way for you, okay? Somebody says, WWJD. All right, number four. It says, this took place to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet. Say to daughter Zion, see, your king comes to you gentle and riding on a donkey and on a colt. Okay, verse six. The disciples went and did as Jesus instructed them. Be because how many of you know you cannot be a disciple unless you obey the commands of Christ? All right, that's the proof that you're a disciple. Don't be a hero of the word, but also a... All right, come on now. So we ain't here to... To, to just learn, we're here to burn, right? Like if you eat food that you don't burn, you become lethargic. That turns into fat that's stored. So we don't learn, we burn. 
And so the disciples were constantly acting on what Jesus said. And then it says this, they brought the donkey and the colt and placed their cloaks on them for Jesus to sit on. And then a very large crowd spread their cloaks on the road while others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. The crowds that went ahead of him and those that followed shouted, shouted. Somebody say shouted. Okay, I'm trying to break a spirit of religion off of you. It doesn't say that they quietly observed and whispered. It says that they shouted. How many of you know that the further you get away from religion, the louder it gets towards Jesus? (laughs) See, like the closest you are to religion is the quietest it is. But the closer you get to Jesus, things start getting loud. Demons start screaming, why are you here to torment me? People start screaming, I'm healed. Oh, I'm telling you, the closer you get to Jesus, the louder it gets. Oh, they shouted Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And Hosanna in the highest heaven, exclamation mark. Because you got to read it like it's in there. Because most of us went to churches where there was never an exclamation mark at the end of anything that ever happened. (laughs) But don't judge me when it gets loud. I'm just doing what people do when Jesus is in the room. When Jesus entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred. How many of you want to see Glen Cove stirred with the Spirit of God? How many of you want to see Hammond, Indiana stirred with, come on, somebody. How many of you want to see Nassau County stirred? Like, stir it up. Oh, that's another. We don't have any Marley fans here. I can see I'm not in Jamaica anymore. But it says that they were, it says Hosanna, but I love this. It says the whole city was stirred and asked, what if we're not seeing our city stirred because we're doing Jesus flavored programs instead of actually ushering the presence of Jesus into the midst of us? Like, like they're not going to be stirred from another program, but they will be stirred by the power that comes when he's there. And this is what you see. The crowds answered, this is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth in Galilee. Now, you've heard many preachers say, well, in one week, those same people are going to be saying crucify him. Biblical scholars disagree about this as a fact. I will say for the purpose of this this message today that we don't know that everybody who said Hosanna in the highest also said crucify him. But I will tell you, probably some of them did change their mind because what happens in a week is Jesus goes from being very popular to very unpopular. And oftentimes when when the masses, when the people, when the large groups of people change their mind, that becomes a form of intimidation on the minority. Matter of fact, the pressure of intimidation as we lead into the cross was so great that even Peter himself, who walked on water with Jesus, actually said, I don't even know who that guy is because of a little girl asking whether he was a disciple. And so here's the thing. If you don't get free of the fear of man, you will never fulfill the commands of Jesus. (laughs) I have struggled myself with the fear of man. Can I just start with me? I have struggled myself with the fear of man. There are three things in my own meditation and reflection. I've looked back and said, these are the three things that I primarily struggle with. And if you struggle with one of these three, you can just silently nod your head like, I got you, homie. Number one, what can people do to hurt me? 
I've struggled with that. That's part of the fear of man. What can people do to hurt me? Maybe you get demoted on the job, talked about, gossiped. What can they do to hurt me? Uh, maybe they lie about you. Number two, what do people even think about me? What do people think about me? Have you ever struggled with that before? What do people actually think about me? Number three, what are people saying about me? I I've struggled with that. Here's the thing, if you're in the room right now and you haven't struggled with any one of those three things, you're lying. <laughs> you know how I know? Because you chose to wear clothes to this service. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> you care to some degree. <laughs> there's, there's some extent, and I've struggled with that. What do people think about this sermon? What do they think about this church? What do they think about my family? What are they saying? But I wanna give you a wisdom key. For those of you who are note takers, you can write it down like this. The fear of man gives people more power than God in our lives. The fear of man gives people the most power. It gives people more power than God in our lives. And I am here like a wrecking ball to help you get free from the opinion of man. Now, can I just, how boldly can I speak to you, church? Next week, there's a temptation. And the temptation is for your friends and family who are coming to punch their punch card of religious obligation to come to church with you wearing clothes that they haven't worn for the last 51 weeks. And you're going to look at them next to you. This is about to set somebody free. And you're going to say, I can't worship like I normally worship because of their opinion. You're going you're gonna to look at them next to you and say, I can't act like I normally act because of them. But that is the residue of the fear of man. As, as a matter of fact, the thing that I need you to understand the most today is that the evidence that you are free from the fear of man is that Easter Sunday doesn't feel like a different Sunday. It feels like a better Sunday because we worship more extravagantly and we say there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. And when you weren't there, he was there in the midnight hour. And when you couldn't pay my bills, his provision was sufficient for me. And everybody walked out on me, but he said, I'll never leave you and I'll never forsake you. You've got to get free from the fear of man. And I, I don't want to come into Easter wearing clothes I don't like with people who don't love me as much as those who share my spiritual DNA, putting Jesus on the shelf. I want to lift him up high and say, you might hear me speaking in tongues, but I'm not ashamed of my heavenly language. It carried me through some hard times, and I prayed some prayers you might not understood, but he understood every single one of them. You got to stop being ashamed. I'm, listen, I'm talking to some preachers right now. Don't you dare be ashamed of the gift of tongues. I unapologetically speak in tongues because it showed up first as a sign to unbelievers. I'm not ashamed of prophecy. God spoke then and he's speaking here today. And if you're like, but I don't hear the voice of God. Well, homie, open up your Bible and read it out loud and you'll hear his voice. And for every single one of your friends and family members who think that this book is not true because they try to tell you stupid things. Yes, I'm saying stupid on camera. Stupid.
stupid things like, well, it's been translated so many times, it's not accurate anymore. And they stay, say stupid things like, well, it was written by a man, so it can't possibly be perfect. Well, guess what? I got news for you. Every single person you heard say that was making a video in their mom's basement. They are not a scholar. They're probably not that intelligent because the Dead Sea Scroll discovery actually showed us that thousands of manuscripts that we didn't even know existed until the last 40 years were identical to the ones we had before. How many of you know that this book, it was perfect, it is perfect, and it will be perfect? I build my life around this, not my opinion, not my perspective. This is my opinion. My opinion didn't ever help nobody, including myself. But when you receive the mind of Christ, you receive the peace of Christ that surpasses all understanding. Let this be true and everything else be a lie. And anything you don't understand in here is your fault, not this Bible's fault. Why do I have to say that? Because we are not inviting our friends and family into a cult. We are not inviting them into a one-man show. We are not inviting them into a song and dance, horse and pony show, who can sing the best songs with the loudest music and the laser light show. We are bringing them into an invitation to meet the same Jesus that showed up in flesh 2,000 years ago. It's an invitation to say, you've got to decide this day who you serve. But as for me and my house, oh, somebody, I have decided that I will serve the Lord. You can talk about me. You can mistreat me. You can walk out on me. You can abandon me. You can gossip about me. But the only thing I hear is heaven. Why do I say that? Because fear of man has to be broken off of you. You can't even be faithful to God if you struggle with the fear of man because you'll attempt to serve both of them and neither one of them will be satisfied. If you got one foot in the approval of man and one foot in the approval of God, you have both feet in hell. (laughs) I said it and I meant it. You cannot have two masters. You'll love the one and hate the other. And so the person that you bow to is the one that you love the most. Whose opinion are you bending your knee to? I'm telling you, I'm trying to set you free from this because the world They think that this is uh, bigoted. They think that this is archaic. Well, how's your modern solutions working out? Tell me about your marriage. Tell me about your love life. Tell me about your diseases and your sicknesses. How's it working for you? The world will tell you, well, religion's just your crutch. No, it's, it's more than a crutch. A crutch, a crutch is a compliment. It insinuates that I could still hobble and walk around. This is not my crutch. This is resurrection power. I was dead and now I'm alive. That's what this is. It's breath in my lungs. Listen, it's bread that I eat. You don't examine bread, you eat it. I'm, I'm done with another Bible study. I want to eat the word. I want to know the word. I want to ingest the word. I want to do the word. And when you look at the scripture, when you look at Matthew chapter 21, verse 1 through 11, this is the most profound moment of this message, and it's coming to you before it's even over. This was the feast of pa- Passover. If you were a Jew, you celebrated feasts, and feasts were like, oh, yay, it's that time again. Yay, we're all going to, we're religious. We're going to go, oh, are you, his mom, are you going to make that thing you always make every year? You know it, honey. Oh, I love Feast of Passover. Oh, oh. 
And they, they would do feast, or t- feast of Tabernacles. So what makes this moment so profound, and I gotta give you the context, is that it's happening out of sequence. Their worship, their adoration, how loud they are, the intensity and the passion of their worship is happening out of sequence with the Jewish calendar. As a matter of fact, Jesus is coming down off the Kidron Valley into Jerusalem on a colt, fulfilling this prophetic destiny. But, he's, but then when they start to grab their branches and start to, Hosanna, Hosanna, that is the equivalency of singing, holy night, all is calm, on Halloween. Does this make sense? Because the last day of the Feast of Tabernacles was actually Hosanna Day. So to cry out Hosanna at the, at before Passover is even starting, all the other Jews would have been like, you see that crowd over there? They've lost their mind. They must be drunk. Are you tracking with me right now? But here's what it actually proves. It proves that some people got a revelation when they saw Jesus. Wait a second. Hosanna day is not a day. It's not a religion. It's not a ritual. It's a person because Hosanna means deliver now. And so that is the deliverer. And so I've got to drop this ritual called Passover. And even though it's a tradition and we like all of our food and we get together as family, I have to disrupt that tradition because even though you all are celebrating Passover, actual Hosanna day is a person. The deliverer Jesus is here. And I I've got to grab a palm leaf and spontaneously and loudly disrupt the ritual of religion and tradition to give him honor that's due. So guess what we've done? We've made Palm Sunday, Holy Week, as if no other week can be holy. And then we have Easter, and we've made all this religion and tradition and we have our favorite meals, and our families get together. There's nothing wrong with that. But if you've never had a moment where you recognize the true and living Jesus standing right in your midst, and you drop all the religion and tradition, and you start crying out, Hosanna, Hosanna, I gotta ask you, have you met the Jesus of religion, or do you know the real one? Because when you met the real one, you will disrupt anything and everything to say, I'm laying it down to give Jesus the worship he's due. I'll tell you what, you know what would be amazing? If you ruined your Easter lunch... (laughs) by praying for your family in such a way that's not God bless this food, but God let your presence invade this space right now. And my cousin that's suicidal, that nobody knows, I'm getting a word of knowledge, and that suicides me, I'm broken off of you, and you're coming up out of this dinner free? Come on, somebody, we've gotta get to the point where we become Christian mercenaries, and nowhere is safe that we are, because we disrupt. I'll never forget Evelyn during the height of the pandemic, coming into her workplace and said, I know I'm a nurse, but I've got to get down in these scrubs and I've got to give up some intercession and some prayer and do some warfare. We've got to get to the point where we divinely disrupt our environments with true worship, true devotion, true intercession. And if you're like, this sounds radical, the kingdom of God is nothing less than radical. Matter of fact, everybody who participated in the first round 2000 years ago was ostracized, rejected, murdered. I say, sign me up. 
If everybody agrees with you, it's because you're soft. If everybody likes your version of Christianity, it's because you made it too easy. It's because you've got a Care Bear, Gummy Bear, soft, tickle me Elmo. You know, there's got to come a point where you become okay with offending them to please him. I'm trying to break this off of you. You've got to get it because they're going to tell, I can't believe you give to that church. I can't believe that you give to Miller Lite, Marlboro, Starbucks, Panera, Chevrolet. I can't believe where you spend your money. See, clap back. You let the devil say whatever he wants through them. We don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, powers, and foolish demons speaking through the mouths of puppets we call family. And I've got to say it because some of you have been riding the fence for so long and the Lord's like, I want you to become a burning one. I want you to become a revivalist. Why do you think you never fit in anyways? You're a royal priesthood, a chosen generation. You've been called out from among them to be separate. And I'm just, and you know what will happen? Mark my words, when you, when you stop trying to please man and stop trying to please your family, this incredible thing will happen. Some of them will actually get saved and join you. So I got three lessons from Palm Sunday. Number one, knowing that you have God's approval will make you immune to the temporary praises of people. (laughs) Your emotions are not controlled by their emotions. Now, let me just start by saying this. Last week, we learned that in Matthew chapter three, Jesus stood under an open heaven before he started his ministry. As a matter of fact, Jesus stands under an open heaven. The Holy Spirit descends like a dove and says, this is my son whom I'm well pleased. Therefore, every bit of ministry Jesus did was from a place of complete and total approval, not for it. And how many of you know that right now, as soon as you accepted Christ as your savior, you became approved because of the blood that still cries out. You are not condemned, you are approved. And you will never do anything that can earn the approval of God. As a matter of fact, you will do every good work from a place of approval through Jesus. Can I get an amen? But the thing that you gotta learn is sometimes your destiny will be blocked, not because you can't tolerate the people's criticisms, but because you accept too many of their praises. Jesus is on this donkey and he's riding this donkey from the Kidron Valley into Jerusalem. They're throwing down their their coats. All of a sudden he hears, Yashana, Yashana, Hosanna, Hosanna. And they're, They're praising him. But see, the revelation I got is when Jesus goes back to the baptism moment and he remembers the approval of God, he knows that he's immune to those praises, which means that he's immune to their criticisms too. Because see, sometimes people's praises of you will cheerlead you into the wrong direction. See, sometimes just because enough people clap doesn't mean that God is validating it. Just because enough people agree doesn't mean that God's in it. 
I've had whole churches in a demonic infrastructure of Ahab and Jezebel. And just because they get enough people agreeing doesn't mean God agrees. Okay? Just, oh, come on, somebody. See, see, I'm trying to speak into something because Jesus, as he's riding that donkey and he's hearing the praises of people, he's completely immune to their praises because he's already got approval. And see, sometimes people will tell you, you're doing such a good job. And the way I hear it in the spirit is at the wrong destiny. You're doing such a good job at, at something good that's not God's greatness through you. Because sometimes people will praise you doing the wrong thing to keep you in the wrong thing because it justifies their mediocrity. You can slow clap it in. That's one of those, wow, man, I'm bleeding. But I'm trying to help you because people will shout you down for a sermon that's not biblically accurate but it tickles their ears. And then God will be like, I want to release you to preach to more people, but I can't trust you because you love tickling the ears because you love their applause. See, oh, somebody, okay, women, sometimes you'll date to the level of your self-esteem because they gave you a compliment. And that compliment will open up a door to access that should have remained closed because of how you think of yourself. But God wants to change. You've got to go back to the open heaven so that you can survive the cross. Okay, number two, Christ didn't receive direction from criticism. He received direction from his father's perfect plan. He responded to God's voice instead of reacting to the sound of the crowd. Here's the question I want to ask you. What's the sound of your crowd? What's the sound of your crowd? Maybe your crowd tells you, I can't believe you go to church. I can't believe you waste your time. I can't believe you, you believe that. Number three, last but not least, what I learned from Palm Sunday and if I can have the band come up. Christ understood that the size of the crowd cheering doesn't validate your direction. Now here's the way that the Lord gave it to me. He was led by prophecy, not flattery. <laughs> the Bible says flattery comes from deceitful lips. Jesus was led by prophecy, not flattery. It's the feast of Passover Jesus would have come into Jerusalem to celebrate the feast. 500 years earlier in Daniel chapter nine, verse 25 and 26, this very scene begins to play out. And as the prophet Zechariah prophesied as well in Zechariah 9, 9. Now this is what's crazy. 500 years before this was prophesied. Do you know why I can put my faith on this solid ground? It's because if God said it, all I can do is believe it and then wait and watch it and see it with my own eyes. I'm living a life in response to prophecy, not flattery. Don't tell me something that sounds good. Tell me the truth. Jesus said, in this world, there will be suffering. He didn't say, you say this little prayer and you live your blessed life and you're never gonna go through anything. Jesus actually said the opposite of that. He said, disciples, there is gonna be suffering, but take heart, you will overcome because I have overcome the world. And see, 500 years before, there was a prophecy that said when the Messiah comes, he's actually gonna be riding on this humble colt. He's gonna be on this donkey and you're gonna know it's him. And see, the Jews that had eyes to see in the spiritual realm were not distracted by Passover and missed the Messiah. They were not distracted. They said, no, this is, this is Feast of Tabernacles. This is Hosanna Day. He's here, he's here, he's here. And they begin to worship. 
to all of my deconstructing friends, to all of my friends leaving the faith, just because Jesus decided to show up on a donkey, do not become so fixated on the delivery device for the Messiah that you miss the Messiah. Just because Jesus came riding on a donkey, don't miss the Messiah fixating on the donkey. Yeah, maybe your pastor abused you, but that was just the donkey that God used to reveal the Messiah. The truth is still the truth. Maybe your church didn't tell you about science and philosophy and reason, and maybe you feel that you've got to deconstruct and leave the faith, but you've got donkeys pointing at other donkeys right now, missing the Messiah that's on the donkey. So don't get it flipped. God is still revealing himself through the foolish things of this world. And the bride of Christ is still plan A for the saving of the world. Even if we're a donkey sometimes, I might be a beast of burden, but I'm gonna lift Jesus up on these broken shoulders. And I'm gonna say, if you see anything good about me, you're seeing God himself because there's nothing good about me, but there's something good on the inside of me. And it's a good God, even in my shortcomings, even in my failure. And I'm not going to look at another donkey and put on them the burden of being Jesus. You carry Jesus into your family. I'll carry Jesus into my family. And I'll just be the beast of burden that brings him into a broken world. Because he's the Savior, not me. I feel the power of God. You can stand to your feet. I know there's many already standing all around every campus. I feel the anointing so strong. You're about to get free from the fear of man. Let me tell you why. The reason why you're going to get free from the fear of man is because if they didn't start you, they can't stop you. The Bible says before you were in your mother's womb. Somebody shout before. Before you were in your mother's womb, he destined you. That means before you had a race, before you had a gender, before you had a language, before you had a culture. Before, I'm trying to help you get free. You belong to God first. He breathed your spirit into a body. Before, somebody shout before. So you don't fear a man because a man didn't start your story. God started your story. A man didn't call you, God called you. And if God called you, who can be against you? A thousand may fall at one side and 10,000 at the other side, but I'll still be standing. Now I wanna show you this because somebody got a revelation. They said, hey, I know it's Passover and we're supposed to do Passover rituals, but I gotta go worship that man named Jesus. I gotta cancel all my plans. I gotta worship him. Can you imagine the very first Palm Sunday? They're ripping palms, literally. They're ripping them off the branch. You gotta go back to the beginning. And they're saying, he's here, he's here, he's here. We don't have to wait, we don't have to wait. And I came to tell somebody that your waiting days are over too. Your waiting days are over. He's here, he's here, he's here. And then they begin to say, Yashana, put this up. Let me look at the Hebrew with you. It says, Yasha Ana. Okay, the, this is a compound word, means deliver now. Everybody say, Yasha. Everybody say, Ana. So they would say, Yashana, try it, Yashana. And this is what it means. So 
the compound word yasha, the first part, means, and I want you to get a revelation. Think about your life. You're about to get free from the fear of man and step into devotion to God. Yasha means to be saved, to be free, avenging. <laughs> everything you did for my harm every evil you did against me oh you did it for my hurt you did it to kill me but God has taken it and turned it around for my good Woo! come on he, how many of you know God still avenges to be safe to bring salvation to save and I love this one to get the victory Yasha to get the victory. Yasha now. Get the victory now, God. Get them now. Route my enemies in every direction now, God. God, give me health now. This is what Yasha means, health now. And this is the, so watch. In white Hollywood, there's palm branches and they go real slow. Hosanna. Hosanna in the highest. And you know, none of those actors have ever been to the Middle East because they'd realize there's no blonde-haired, blue-eyed people there. So let's peel back the layers because we know Jesus wasn't white, amen. And so you got white Hollywood and they, they depict it like this. Yash, they would say, Hosanna, Hosea. But I wanna show you really what was happening. They'd have a full branch and they would begin to do this multiple times in every direction as hard as they could. And all of a sudden the branches would rip off and they would be declaring, Yashana, Yashana, Yashana. And they'd be sc literally screaming it at the top of their lungs, Yashana. I need you to understand that in John chapter 12, when you see this story unfolding, what they were saying is my family is multi-generational alcoholism. My family is multi-generational cancer. My family is multi-generational fatherlessness. My family is multi-generational poverty. But I see Jesus deliver now, deliver now. Yashana, Yashana, Yashana. Now, God, now I'm going to be the first one to break through. I'm the curse. Yashana. And it was extravagant worship. Yashana in every direction. Can somebody shout Yashana? Come on, lift up your palms. Yashana. Deliver now, God. Deliver now, God. Deliver us from the free of man's opinion. Yes. Yashana. Yashana. And they would go in every direction. Why is it every direction? I'm going to show you why. God, deliver my past now. God, deliver my presence now. God, deliver my future now. Why else would they? God, I thank you that generational curses are broken, but I also thank you that the generations that come from my seed are gonna bear your blessing. All of my kids, my children, children, the blessing for a thousand generations. Yashana, 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 every generation. Somebody shout a voice of triumph. Across every campus, can I have our prayer team come up? As we come to a close today, I believe that today is a day of joy. Weeping may endure for the night, but yashana now. Joy comes in the morning. I want to read you a scripture. In every church around the world, they teach you the first part of this scripture but you didn't know that the best part was right after the part you know. And I'm gonna give you a revelation right now. 
and then across all the campuses we're going to open up the altars and if you need to break through to your next season you come running up to the altar because yashana now watch this psalm chapter 118 verse 24 through 26 you all sing it but you miss the best part it says this this is the day <laughs> that the lord has made and i will rejoice and be glad in it but wait the next part is the best part save now yashana i pray oh lord oh lord i pray send now prosperity and salvation so it's not just this is the day this is the day he said okay now god yashana now deliver me now send it now joy 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 do it now do it now not only this is the day but this is the day of the lord's favor come on up if you need prayer just begin to fill the altars now it's breakthrough time come on just begin to come forward if you need prayer now come on let's sing it <laughs>